that we might be near to you, near my God to you, near my God to you. We love you and we thank you for inviting us into your presence. We thank you for the love that you have lavished on us in your son Jesus Christ. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you pour into our lives every single day to bring us nearer, 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 my God, to you. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. And we pray, Father, as we go to your word, that you'd open it up to us, and Lord, that it would sink deep into our spirits, that we might live for you and live closer and closer to you every single day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Tell you, you are some of the most blessed people in London. And uh, if you don't realize uh, what a, a great gift you have in your worship team and, and Johann's leadership, you're really missing something. Uh, so you just need to travel around to a couple of other churches, preferably not on a Sunday morning, and see what's happening there. And you'll really learn to appreciate what is happening here. I think Johann is one of the most gifted worship leaders uh, that I've seen. Uh, and I've been around quite a while, and so bless this team, and uh, bless this church. It's great to be with you again. Um, if you don't know me, uh, I'm from upstairs. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of like uh, in rugby, you know, do you, do you have, uh, I, I'm not as familiar with rugby as I'd like to be. I, I, I like rugby uh, quite a bit, but uh, in rugby, do you have that one player that kind of sits on the end of the bench? that when everybody else is hurt and injured and almost dead, they call that person in? <laughs> That's kind of me, you know. So uh, Rian, you know, when he loses all of his other bench players, he says, well, okay, we'll get Rod in here. And uh, he can't do too much damage, so we'll be okay. So, <laughs> so it's good to be with you again. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to read four passages uh, from the Word of God. I use the uh, uh, English Standard Version. Uh, but uh, you might use the NIV or um, uh, the equivalent in Afrikaans. But I'm going to go um, first to Exodus chapter 20, and then to Malachi uh, chapter 1, then to Matthew chapter 7, and finally to 2 Thessalonians, which would be the most difficult one to find, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, just read a couple of verses in each place there. Uh, in giving us our overview today. But Rian told me that uh, we're dealing with the Ten Commandments, and he said, I'll leave the third one to you. And so I, I said I, I would continue on with that. You know, he's, he was almost apologetic. He said, you know, when you, when you do a ten-week series like this, you know, sometimes it can be kind of long. And I said, well, Rian, last year I, I preached on Ephesians, and I started in January, and I finally finished it in November. And uh, this year, I started on the kingdom of God in January, and I'm still going on it. So, uh, so 10 weeks, uh, uh, up, uh, a lot of the folks at City Temple say 10 weeks, that's a real short series for me. So uh, focusing on the Ten Commandments is pretty good. So in uh, Exodus chapter 20, uh, we're going to look at verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Then to Malachi, in Malachi chapter 1. Malachi was writing uh, after the uh, Jews had returned from the exile and uh, the rebuilding process was going on in Jerusalem and people were kind of in and out, a little lackadaisical at times about their faith. And uh, here he's talking to the priests 
but in a sense, he's talking to all of us because uh, we're the priesthood of all believers, so we're all priests before our God. But uh, this is what the, the Lord says. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And I, if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were among you one uh, among you who would shut the doors that you may not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the setting, to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness is this? And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, that's a little depressing. Uh, so let's go to Matthew chapter 7. You know, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, that would cheer us up a little bit. Uh, chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay, that wasn't as encouraging as I'd hoped. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians then. This one would be better. 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter. For those of you who don't know, it's right after 1 Thessalonians, uh, if that's any help. Uh, and we'll start with the last two verses of that chapter. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that was more encouraging. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. When I was growing up, uh, from time to time, my family would listen to a guy named Johnny Cash. I don't know if uh, well, you've all heard of Johnny Cash, I'm sure. Um, but uh, he had a song that was actually one of my favorites. It actually wasn't a song. It's like a poem uh, to music. So thankfully, you're not going to hear me sing it. 
but I will recite it because uh, uh, it's uh, called A Boy Named Sue. Don't know if you've ever heard of it. Has anybody ever heard? Okay, a few of you have heard. That's good because some of you haven't. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not going to put on my best Johnny Cash here, but, uh, you know, okay. My daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me, just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Well, he must have thought that quite a joke, and it got a lot of laughs from a lot of folks. It seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle, and I'd get red, and some guy'd laugh, and I'd bust him in the head. I tell you, it ain't easy for a boy named Sue. Well, I grew up quick, and I grew up mean. My fists got hard, and my wits got keen. I'd roam from town to town to hide my shame. But I made a vow to the moon and stars that I'd search the honky-tonks and bars and kill that man who gave me that awful name. Well, it was Gatlinburg, that's in Tennessee, by the way, in mid-July, and I just hit town, and my throat was dry, and I thought I'd stop and have myself a brew. At an old saloon in a street of mud, there at a table dealing studs sat the dirty, mangy dog that named me Sue. Well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad from a worn-out picture that my mother had had, and I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye. He was big and bent and gray and old, and I looked at him, and my blood ran cold, and I said, My name is Sue! How do you do? Now you're going to die! Well, I hit him hard right between the eyes, and he went down, but to my surprise, he came up with a knife and cut off a piece of my ear. So I busted a chair across his teeth, and we crashed through the wall and into the street, kicking and the gouging in the mud and the blood and the beer. I tell you, I fought tougher men, but I really can't remember when. He kicked like a mule and bit like a crocodile. Kind of sounds a little bit like a rugby game, doesn't it? <laughs> I heard him laugh, and then I heard him cuss. He went for his gun, but I pulled mine first. And he stood there looking at me, and I saw him smile. He said, son, this world is rough. And if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. And I knew I wouldn't be there to help you through, help you along. So I gave you that name, and I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And it's that name that helped to make you strong. He said, now you've just fought one heck of a fight, and I know you hate me, and you got the right to kill me now, and I wouldn't blame you if you do, but you ought to thank me before I die for the gravel in your guts and the spit in your eye, because I'm that man that named you Sue. I got all choked up, threw down my gun, and I called him my pa, and he called me his son, and I came away with a different point of view. And I think about him now and then, every time I try and every time I win. And if I ever have a son, I think I'm going to name him Bill George anything but Sue. <laughs> that's, a, that's kind of a fun little uh, song. But uh, it's amazing what a difference a name can make in someone's life. Uh, why I'm named Rodney, I have no idea. It probably wouldn't have been my pick of names. Uh, and many other people are, are the same way. But a name really defines us. If you think about it, the name that you grow up with, the name that people call you, your first name, your last name, it's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. It's part of how people recognize you. 
When we want to get to know someone, the most important thing about getting to know them is getting to know their name. The name is, expresses the essence of who we are. And if that's true for us, it was even truer in the Old Testament. Well, even in the New Testament, in Bible times, oh, the name was carefully chosen. That's why people were surprised when John the Baptist was given the name John by his father. They're like, well, hey, you don't have any relatives named John. There's nobody that you know named. Why would you give you know, someone the name John? Well, we know why, because God told him to give him the name John. But all throughout the scripture, uh, you know, Isaac, the one who laughs, uh, all the way down, name after name, even with Abraham. He started out Abram, and God said, well, no, I'm going to change your name for you. You were Abram, uh, uh, beloved father, but now you're going to be Abraham, father of many. Or you get to Peter. Well, actually, he was Simon. I kind of preferred Peter myself, but, uh, and that's rock, Petros. I'm going to name you the rock. And so there was an essence, there was a dynamic about the name and being able to use a person's name that enables you to get to know the person and was part of the identifying process for that person. And if that's true for us as human beings, it was even truer for God himself. Because think about this. God is this transcendent creator of the universe. He is not contained within this universe, yet he transcends it. He is unknowable in a sense because we cannot know something or someone uh, that is completely different from us, that is completely outside ourselves. I mean, imagine uh, if you didn't know any kind of English and I'm standing here talking to you, uh, everything I say would be a bit of gibberish. You'd get a little bit here and there, but you wouldn't get anything because we would be almost unknowable to each other. And if that's true for us, just think of how much that affects who God is and God's relationship to us. And so here is God, and he's calling Moses, and he says, you know, I want you to go and do this. And what does Moses do? He does something that we all do, doesn't he? He says, what is your name? Tell me your name. When somebody says, who is this God that sent you? Who am I going to say? And then God spoke and God gave Moses his name. Many of us use the name Yahweh. Uh, Often in the past it was used Jehovah. We actually don't know how it was pronounced because the Jews so revered that name that when they were pronouncing the Bible and putting the vowel points under the Hebrew language, because the Hebrew language doesn't have any vowels, it just has consonants. You thought Afrikaans was bad. Uh, but, uh, but when they were putting those vowel points in, they didn't put any vowel points under the name of the Lord, under Yahweh, because they didn't want anybody to say it. So whenever they got to that name, they just said Adonai. They said Lord. And that's important to remember when we get into the New Testament and we look again at Matthew. And so Moses says, you know, who are you? And he says, okay, I'll give you my name. Now, this is, would be like, imagine that uh, you get that nice engraved invitation in the post to come and have tea with somebody at Buckingham Palace. And, uh, and you go in, and, uh, and you sit down, and she comes in, she sits down, you say, Your Majesty, Your Highness, Your Worship, whatever language you use. Okay, I know that historically... Afrikaans-speaking people wouldn't use good names. Okay, I understand that. 
But imagine today you were there, and you'd be kind of awed by that, and you sit down, and she says, hey, just call me Betty. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, what just happened here? It would be startling. Well, it was so much more startling for the creator God of the universe to actually give us a name by which to call him Yahweh. And so we fast forward a little bit, and uh, they got out of Egypt, and they're there, and, and God's given Moses the ten big ones. You know, he gives them a few more, but he gives them the ten big ones that we've been looking at. And he says, okay, well, number three, we've talked about, you know, this whole idol thing, and I really don't like that. In fact, you know, I'll strike you dead with a curse if you do that. Uh, but uh, there's also this whole issue about my name. Uh, you know, that's my name. Use it, don't abuse it. That's what we used to say in the States. You know, use it, don't abuse it. Uh, and that's effectively what God's saying here. He's saying, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Do not use it in an empty manner. Do not use it in a worthless manner. Uh, Solomon said, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. What is that? It's, it's a breath. It's like the mist that comes out and then quickly evaporates. And God is saying, when you use my name, use it appropriately. And do not use it, do not speak it, do not think it, do not bear it in a way that is worthless. Do not bear it in a way that is meaningless. Now we often think about that as don't use it as a swear word. But frankly, one, God wasn't talking to unbelievers here. He was talking to his people. And yeah, there are a lot of people that are using God's name as a swear word. But if we just stop at that, and that's certainly part of taking God's name in vain, don't get me wrong. But if we just stop at that, we begin to miss the profound nature of what God is saying here in the third commandment. He's saying, do not even approach my name in a name that is worth less than I deserve. Do not even use my name in a way that would diminish me, insult me, or make less of me. He says, effectively, the name of the Lord is a privilege. And when we bear the name of the Lord, just knowing the name of the Lord is a privilege. The name of the Lord isn't Allah. It isn't Buddha. It isn't Krishna. It's Yahweh. And we've been given the privilege of knowing the very name of God. And that name not only identifies God, but it also identifies us. You know, when I was born, <clears throat> actually, I was, uh, I was adopted. And uh, uh, when I was brought into my family, uh, obviously, I had a different surname when I was born. But when I was adopted into this family, I took the surname of my family. That's Woods. And that meant that forevermore, as long as I was on this earth, I would be identified with that family. I would be identified not only with my mother and father, uh, even though they weren't my biological parents, they're my, my mom and my dad. <clears throat> I would be identified with them, but not only with them, but everybody that came before them. Some respects uh, for better and, and many respects for worse. 
because my, my dad was a bit of a scoundrel. Uh, I identified a bit with uh, Johnny Cash in this song, by the way, uh, except my name's not Sue. Uh, you know, my middle name's Dale, though. Uh, that's almost as bad, I think. And unless your name's Dale and you like it, you know, don't. <laughs> anyway. And so, so I was brought into this whole tradition of name. And forevermore, that was going to identify me as long as I walked on this earth. How much more so is that true for us as believers? We have been given the name Yahweh as part of our inheritance, as part of our family, as part of our system. And not only will that identify us for this lifetime, but it will identify us for eternity. And names are powerful. As we sang in the song, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The psalmist said, the righteous run to it and are saved. All who call on the name of the Lord, Paul says, will be saved. There is power in this name. I have seen demons flee at the name of Jesus. I have seen miracles happen at the name of Jesus. I have seen systems change with the name of Jesus. Historically, cultures have been transformed by the name of Jesus through revival. This name has power. The name of the Lord is something precious for us that we can call on, and no matter what happens to us, we can claim this identity as our new birthright. The identity of this name, that we are God's chosen, we are God's people, all by the name of the Lord. So therefore, we must not take that name in vain. We must not use it in a worthless manner. But what does that mean if it means just not using it as a swear word? Well, Malachi started talking about that. If you want to look at that, at that passage, Malachi was looking at the situation and uh, what had happened was they'd rebuilt Jerusalem a bit. Uh, they'd had it together somewhat. And, uh, but but uh, they kind of sl slacked off a little bit. And the priests, you know, they were offering their sacrifices in the new, in the new temple. But the new temple wasn't anyway, anything like the old temple. It was kind of getting them by. And, and so they thought, well, you know, this place, it doesn't look all that great. It's not all that nice. And... You know, it's not like Solomon's temple that we heard about. So, you know, we really just don't have to do our best on this. You know, let's just kick back a little bit. Let's enjoy some of the meat that people are coming. You know, because when people brought their sacrifice, you know, they'd cook it and they'd get to eat it. And there was big parties and things like that. It was really great. And so the priest said, you know, it's not that, it's not that bad. And, well, and in fact, you know, uh, a lamb with a blemish tastes just as nice as a lamb without a blemish. I mean, who really cares if it's got a little notch on its leg? You know, we just kind of cut it off. And, you know, we get rid of that bit. Uh, you know, so they, they, weren't really, they weren't really concerned about that. They, they, didn't really, they didn't really treat it, you know, like, like uh, the prized pig that the farmer had. Have you heard about that? The prized pig? Farmer's talking to a friend and he says, you know, this pig, I just love this pig. And the friend says, well, what's so great about this pig? It's a, it's a three-legged pig. So, well, you know, that's no normal pig. You know, this three, it might have, just have three legs, but, you know, a, a couple of months ago in the wintertime, the pond had frozen over. My little girl walked out on the pond. She fell through in the icy cold water. This pig jumped over the fence, crawled across the ice, pulled my daughter out of the pond, and kept her warm until we came to rescue her. 
Wow, that's pretty amazing big. Well, that's not all. Uh, a, a few months ago, too, we had a fire. And my little boy was upstairs, and he was calling out, and he was just surrounded by the flames. This pig broke through the fence, ran into the house, ran up the stairs, and pulled my little boy out. Gave him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to get the smoke out of his lungs. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Well, that's not all. Uh, just a week ago, my elderly mother, she's a little, you know, in the head, uh, she would, decided to go out for a walk, and she was walking on the roadway out there, and this big lorry came along. The pig realized the lorry was coming along. It opened up the gate, ran out, and saved my uh, poor mother from being hit by this lorry. Huh. Well, you're right. This really is a prized pig. Well, well, at which point in time did this pig lose its leg? You know, was it the, 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 the pond or the fire or saving? Oh, none of those. But, you know, when you have a pig this good, you can't eat them all at once. <laughs> and that's kind of the attitude the priests were having you know, to the little lambs and things like that that were being brought along. And, uh, and Malachi, the Lord is speaking through Malachi, and he says essentially this, when you offer me... This is the Lord. When you offer me anything less than your best, you are profaning my name. When you do not give to me what I deserve, when you do not treat me as I deserve, you are profaning my name because my name will be great in all the world and and the world will offer incense that is prayer unto my name. And the world is going to fear my name. So if you do anything less than the 100% that I am calling you to, if you do anything less than your best, your excellence before me, you are profaning my name. He's saying effectively that when we, as God's people, offer to God less than all of our lives, we're actually taking his name in vain. And when we fail to give to the Lord what he requires, we take his name in vain. And when we think, oh, I'm a little too tired today. I don't feel like gathering with God's people. You know, they're a little annoying. It's kind of like the guy that gets up, you know, and he's, he, he says, I'm not going to go to church today. That's why I said, you got to go to church. He says, I don't want to go to church. Why don't you want to go to church? Well, you know, it's boring. Nobody likes me there. Everybody hates me there. You know, I just don't want to. you got to go to church. Okay, give me one good reason why I should go to church. You're the minister. <laughs> Any time that we fail to do that, and we're just sitting back and we think we can just kick back and, and let down, take a vacation from God, according to Malachi, we take the name of the Lord in vain. Ooh, that's a little uncomfortable. Let's go to something more comforting. Let's stick into the uh, Sermon on the Mount there. You know, because, yeah, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's, he's talking about people who say to me, Lord, Lord. And, wow, you know, Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That sounds great. You know, that's good. The name of the Lord is a high tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. We like that. Yahweh, Jesus. You know, they're, they're God, so we can use that, that name, Yahweh, and the name Jesus. And then Jesus says this mind-blowing thing. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Wow. What is he saying here? Is he, is he now talking about some kind of works righteousness? Because he goes on to say, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. No, Jesus is not talking about works righteousness here. Jesus was talking about grace all throughout the Lord's uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about grace in all of these things. But what he's talking about in this passage are those who just emptily say, oh, Jesus is my Lord. I was talking to a guy just yesterday. We had a big wedding and, and things, and, and uh, it's a guy I, I'd, never, I'd never met before he was in, uh, and, uh, and uh, I talked with him for quite a while. It's clear he wasn't a Christian. Had a lot of, one of those people that asks a lot of questions, but that's just so he can't, he doesn't, because he doesn't want to become a Christian, you know, those kinds. And, uh, <clears throat> and then uh, a, a friend of mine who's going to be our, uh, a new, uh, doing an internship at City Temple, he went up to him and basically just said, you need Jesus. And in the end, he said, you know, I, I don't want to become a Christian because it costs too much. And he was right. It wasn't empty. He knew the cost. He knew that his life would change. Even though grace is free, it's not cheap. And he understood that. And so often we don't. And that's what Jesus was talking about here. He's talking about those people who say emptily, you know, Jesus is my Lord, and use the name of the Lord. Oh, I'm a Christian. You know, over 70% or so of the UK would identify themselves as Christians. Yet, on any given Sunday, only about 6 or 8% are worshiping God. There's something wrong about that. It, because they're not all going to Sabbatarian churches that worship on Saturday. They're using the name of the Lord in an empty, vain manner. And if you say you're a Christian, but you've not committed your life to Jesus Christ, you're taking the name of the Lord in vain. And that's what Jesus is saying here. But he goes on, he says, you know, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? You know, I really believe in the gift of prophecy, and I've seen it used profitably many, many times. I've seen it bring glory and honor to Jesus. But much more have I seen people give a prophetic word, quote-unquote, in the name of Jesus that was nothing more than their flesh speaking out, or nothing more than their good ideas, or nothing more than their attempts to control others by speaking the name of the Lord. When you do that, you take the name of the Lord in vain. That's why we tell people at City Temple, if you're going to give a prophetic word, you say, I think, perhaps, possibly, please discern this, think about it a lot, that the Lord might be saying. Because we want to protect the name of the Lord and not take it in vain. Or he goes on and he says, well, well you know, did we, did we not cast out demons in your name? Well, again... You know, you can invoke the name of Jesus and a lot of demons will flee, but it doesn't mean that your heart is aligned with him. When the disciples went out uh, and they had been casting out demons, they came back and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. But he says, hey, don't rejoice in that, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain and just casting out demons by his name is not what, what does it, what gets it. Or what about doing mighty works and mighty miracles? I mean, you can do a lot of things in the name of the Lord that, where the Lord is not really in it. I've seen people raise thousands and thousands of dollars and pounds 
uh, just to say, this is, this is for Jesus and we're doing this for Jesus. And I've seen people build huge congregations of people all in the name of the Lord, but God was not in them. And they're taking the name of the Lord in vain. They're taking the name of the Lord in vain. And Jesus says, I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Why is it lawless? Because they're trying to use the name without following the Lord. They're trying to get all the benefits without paying the cost. They're trying to get into heaven without honoring God and doing His will. And that's taking the name of the Lord in vain. But Paul presents to us ultimately why this is so important for us as followers of Jesus that we not take the name of the Lord in vain. He says, you know, we are praying for you all the time that our God may make you worthy of his calling. That effectively he's saying, we're praying that God may make you worthy of his name. Because everywhere we go, we bear the name of Jesus as Christians. If you tell a lie at the work, in your workplace, it's as if Jesus is telling a lie. Do you realize that? If you link up with a prostitute, it's as if you're linking Jesus with the prostitute. You can go on and on and on. Every dishonest, deceptive, sinful practice that we do, whether people see us or not, we are doing it bearing the name of Jesus. And we must be careful that we not take the name of the Lord in vain because this is God's desire. He wants to not only make us worthy of his calling, but he wants to fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by God's power. That's what they're praying. That's what Paul is praying. That we could do everything we want to do that is good. Every choice that we make by faith, would, God's power would infuse that so that something happens, so that something changes, so that something is different, not only in our lives, not only in our homes, but actually in the marketplace, in the world around us. That's God's calling. That's God's desire on us. Why? So that, verse 12 there, the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. The calling is for the glory of Jesus to shine forth from us because Jesus, by His Spirit, is living in us. And we want people all over the earth to see us and exhort and extol, uh, extol the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That actually Jesus shines forth from us as we bear his name. And that we would be glorified in Jesus. Extraordinary. This linkage that's happened we're eternally connected to the name according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This all happens by grace. This all occurs by grace. And by grace, the name of God has been branded on us. So that name should shine forth through us. 
and transform us. You know, there's a line in this song, a boy named Sue, that I really love. It's when the father is talking to his son and he says, it's the name that helped to make you strong. It's the name of Jesus that gives us strength. It's the name of God, Yahweh, that gives us identity. It's this name that gives us power. It's this name that is the source of salvation. It's this name that deserves all honor and praise. And it's this name that will be great in all the world. Let's hold it, let's cherish it, and by no means take it in vain. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. We adore you. And we thank you for the wondrous gift of the name. Thank you that you told us who you are, Yahweh. And then not only have you identified us with that name, but you've allowed us to call us Father, even Daddy, because of another name, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, who is also fully God. And we thank you for that name, that we have the honor of being called Christians, a name that was intended to deride people, but now a name that is a source of our identity, encouragement, and love. And I pray, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you would enable each of us by your grace, because it's by your grace that we're saved, not by works, that by your grace you would enable each of us in the power of your Spirit to bear your name honorably, to bear your name worthily, to bear your name in such a way that the love that you have for all human beings flows through us in that name of Jesus. Fill us now with your power and radiate your glory through us so that Jesus will be honored. Amen. Ons kry nou geleendheid om die Heere te dien met ons overgaves.
gauw een saak um, voor um, Rood van sy sien gaan uitspreek. Um, volgende zaterdag is die huweliksbedieningse seminar uh, vir die van julle wat nog niet weer af van nie. En dit is um, life changing. Ons het al soveel mense gekry wat getuien is gee van hoe die hulle levens verander en nie net Dit is, dit, is, dit, dit is nie net omdat dit slag in hulle, in hulle hewelike nie, waar enige mens wat soen toe gaan, wat net weer hulle hewelike wil recharge en op die volgende level sit, um, mens hoe kom dan daar en hulle wil net sê, hulle sê vir ons, het is amazing net om te weet, daar is al die goeders wat hulle weet, wat hulle al vergeet het weer, en die goeders wat het al weer vir hulle gesê, net om weer die klik te maak in die kop, hulle gaan goed soos finansies aanraak, hulle gaan hulle gaan goed soos communicatie aanraak, hulle gaan goed soos seks aanraak, allerlei um, belangrike goed wat oor gepraat moet word tijdens die hevelik. En um, so die van julle wat uh, julle getrouwd is, wat uh, net julle hevelik weer op die volgende notch wil sit, of die wat selfs nog dier die moeilike tyd gaan in julle hevelik, dat is definitief vir julle. Volgende saterdag is van hier hier die ochend, pretty much die hele dag, maar uh, Gaan op ons website, asjeblief, die inskrywing is daar, so al die inlichting vir die dag is daar, so dit gaan by Blykel College wees, in Canada Water, so is nie te ver van ons af nie. En um, dan een laatste ding onthou, het is uh, uh, Moedersdag in Esau gemeente, ach, of my Esau gemeente, in <laughs> Zuid-Afrika, so onthou jou, jou maal verwacht die oproep, uh, moet nie haar teleerstel nie. Um, ja, dit is dit, Rod, if you could give us the blessing and send us out. Thanks. Let's stand. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace by his name, now and forever. Amen. God loves you. Be blessed.